Welcome to Unsigned Hype episode 18. On this episode, I have the pleasure to talk to the incredible artist T. Steele from Chicago. Prior to her interview, I asked T. which song she would play for someone that wasn't familiar with her music yet. T. chose her song Away, and if you're not familiar with T. Steele's music yet, here's a snippet of that song before we jump into the interview. This is Unsigned Hype. The song you just heard is called Away by T. Steele, who's joining me from LA today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the show. T, why is Away the song you would play for someone that has never heard your music before? So I would say that Away is a song that I would play for somebody who hasn't heard my music because traditionally, when it comes to like the entity that is T. Steele, there's always like a huge amount of vocal stacks that usually come along with that in the background. And it's also pretty hype and like really good to move your body to. It gives you a little bit of that, you know, you can lean into it because there's like a good 808, there's good bass, but it's also really melodic and really flowy. And so I feel like it's kind of like a Drack of All Trades song where if you don't really lean heavily towards hip hop, you know, and you'd rather find something that's a little bit more silky and sonic, then you can lean towards that. But if you love both of those things, it's a perfect place to be. So to me, that sounds like you've arrived to a sound that you that you obviously enjoy. I mean, you wouldn't have released that song if you felt like it wasn't right and didn't represent you sonically. I think it's it's interesting to to go back a little bit to the first release of an artist. And, you know, there's first releases on Spotify. You can look up. It's your Be Easy EP that you put out in 2019. Your early beginnings started in 2015, I think, 2014, something along those lines. And you've actually recorded a song called Winter in 2015. (laughs) Yeah, I did. that, that, That was different sonically and was also kind of... Yeah, giving a start to your love also for acoustic music. Can you take me back to that day you put out that song and you recorded it and what gave you this incentive to do so? Yeah, absolutely. So you're completely right. Um, With Winter, I had just gotten my guitar, which is the guitar I still play to this day. It's an acoustic electric. And um, I'd been writing pieces of music for forever, but hadn't actually recorded any of it and didn't have any of the tools to do so. And so like the freshman in high school that I was, I sat in my bedroom, told my mom to be quiet, take my dog outside. And I recorded it on my voice memos. And I loved SoundCloud at the time and was just completely engrossed in all of the culture of SoundCloud at that time. It was really kind of about to ramp up and be at its height. So I was like, you know what, let's just throw it out there. Um, And so... I had just gotten out of a like my first real relationship and wanted to write about it. And so typical T got the guitar out, started writing, and then posted on SoundCloud. A lot of friends listened to it. That's really funny. No one's ever out of all the conversations I've had with people, no one ever brings that song up. So that's really, that's really cool. But um yeah, it's 
it's really just um, adolescent teenager Tiana, really, because I didn't go under T back then. I was just Tiana. And um, I really just wanted to have it, you know, in its own little corner to live in, you know. And uh, I didn't really have any expectations for it. It was just to throw it out there and see what happens. And you mentioned family and friends reacting to it and listening to it. How, how was that reaction? It was really interesting um, because like when I was in high school and even middle school too, um, I was always singing like the national anthem at the games and stuff. So people knew that I could sing and I was in theater and mostly doing tech behind the scenes. So it was kind of a split down the middle thing, whether people knew that I had this talent or not. And back then I wasn't really completely boasting my abilities. I wasn't as confident back then. I wasn't completely sure what my image was, what I wanted to say, all of that stuff. So I kind of just kept it really low key for the most part. But my best friend, Asha, um, it was her favorite song. And anytime I went over to her house, we would get her guitar out and we would sing and do little covers. We even auditioned for like America's Got Talent together and sung Sweather Weather. It was, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. So it was all positive. Um, really interesting to introduce that side of myself to people because I am like pretty goofy and like a little bit rambunctious, especially at that age. Um, and so to show somebody the really chill, stripped back, no audio effects, no nothing, just a phone, a guitar and a voice was super great. Um, and a super sick building block, um, for whatever else was to come that I had no clue about. <laughs> But you mentioned being unsure a little bit and this yeah. uncertainty. Um, wh what was that exactly about? Like, why? Um, I don't you know. know. Was there a worry to put that out? Not even. I don't even think it was a worry. It was just a part of, you know, I feel like as you're growing at 13, 14, 15, all of those emotions are so like oversaturated. And a lot of the things that I was talking about specifically in winter were relatively like private to the relationship that I was in, which was a pretty public relationship. People knew that guy and like our relationship. And so it wasn't a surprise to hear me sing about that type of stuff, but it was just very different from who I portrayed myself as, as Tiana Steele. And it wasn't even like a whole, oh, what if they judge me? What if they don't like it? That didn't even cross my mind. It was just oh shit, now there's shit out and people can listen to me whenever they want to. And that's different compared to the whole, okay, I have this gig at this time and I'm going to go stand in this room with these people and sing these songs and then it's done. That's very much controlled and, you know, malleable. And when you put something in print and then put it on the internet, it can really just go wherever it wants to. So it wasn't even necessarily like an anxiety or anything. It was just something new and um, really interesting. Yeah, and from that you kept going, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, a year later you have your first shows. Uh, I think your first show was at the Bread Company, so <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, the first time playing live in front of a crowd. Yeah. Um, in in that time, it, when you know, because you you mentioned this this idea of being with friends and playing the guitar and singing. Um, when do you feel like this is something that you want to pursue as a career? It it always felt like that. It always did. It was just a matter of the platform because the bread company and that town in general in Champaign, Illinois is like relatively 
very small. And there's not a lot of people, at least at that time, that were aiming to do what I had dreams to do, which was like, you know, record the music, mix it, master it, take it other places, meet the people. Um, and so it was, it was so awesome. And, um, I have always had like this inherent, I wouldn't even call it like a desire. It's just, I I don't even feel like it's mine really. I feel like a vessel for something else. And, you know, the experiences that I have in life, you know, hold a candle to that, but I don't even think I could begin to describe (laughs) when it started. Like, for example, um, before I could even speak coherent English, I don't even think I was one yet. Um, My family for Christmas got me a Barbie like karaoke set and it came with a microphone and a boom box. And I, there's some lost camcorder footage on my grandpa's computer probably of me like just singing absolute gibberish into the microphone. And immediately from then it just blew up grade school doing the first like talent show and singing Mariah Carey's all I want for Christmas is you. And just, you know, it started to snowball. But like as a kid, I don't think I ever was like, ooh, I want to do this for a career. You know, I don't think I was thinking that far. But I've always, 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 cannot even stress it enough, wanted to sing and do all the other stuff. The rapping came later. The engineering came later. But that need, that want has always been there. And I don't think it's ever going to go anywhere, to be honest. And I mean, now almost ten years have passed since you've since you've you've started um, since you've started putting stuff out and sharing it with the world. Where are you at today when you think about your path and your career as a musician? Honestly, <laughs> I don't even allow myself enough time to sit down and think about it. But when I do, I'm so proud of myself, and I'm so excited, and all of the people that I've met and all of the music that I've made released and unreleased is just, I'm so unbelievably proud of it and proud of the producers that I've met in super weird circumstances that I've made some of my favorite music with. And I don't know, it's, it's really inspiring, um, not only to me, but to people around me who want to do the stuff that I do. And they're like, Oh, T you've come so far. And I'm like, dude, I feel like I haven't done shit yet. You know, (laughs) I'm like, it's like super awesome. And it's crazy to think that it's been 10 years, but it's, it's super, I, I don't even think I have words for it because there's been so much growth within that. Like it's starting off with just the guitar and then, you know, going to school for music and even just making the decision to do that was a whole other thing. So it's, it's a little daunting, but I would, I'm leaning towards like more motivational because I was just kind of winging it and following my gut and following my heart. And it's, starting to work. And I think I know a lot more what I want now for myself and who I am. And so it's a lot easier to bring that out into the world and to share these really intimate bodies of work. But it's, it's insane to think about, to be honest, Miles, like I really, it's, it's insane. And I'm really excited to see what the next 10 years end up looking like. Cause I, I honestly have no clue. I'm just at the mercy of whatever else comes, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's all about the journey, you know? Um, But I think it's interesting because you you just said it's all starting to work. How do you feel that it's starting to to work? Like what gives you that, that impression? Um, I would say like, if I had to pick a finite spot, like recently I did a show um, with Sunday Sounds with uh, the people at That Good Shit and Green Tea Studios. 
absolutely insane, amazing. And I've wanted to... Yeah, I saw that. It was amazing. It was so much fun, dude. I've been a part of that family for so long and supported all of my peers there. And so to finally have a moment where I got to be on that stage was insane and just kind of full circle. And um, so when I say like, it's just now starting to work, I think it's always worked, you know, like Be Easy was a really good project and still stands to this day and probably some of my top music still. But in terms of like fan interaction and gut feeling and, you know, the album that I've been working on being a lot closer to being done, just watching people perceive me and process me and then come and talk to me after that show really brought me home. I was like, oh, oh, okay, I'm doing it. Because I think when you're an artist, you're kind of like so focused on making it happen that you can kind of separate yourself from the fact that it's already in the middle of happening. And so once I got off stage and there's all these people coming up to me telling me how good I did and wanting interviews and genius came up to me, I'm like, it's just, I get to soak in that. Cause like I said, I'm so go, go, go and busy, busy, busy that Mm. I don't, I don't give myself the time to be grateful and to really soak it up and, and give that gratitude. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been working, but I think right now I'm, I'm kind of hitting a spot where I'm a lot more aware and um, intentional, I think. So now I can actually mm. absorb all of it in the way that it's actually happening. And that can influence the way that I move forward too, rather than just kind of doing shows here and there just for fun, you know? Yeah. And I mean, is, is, so you mentioned the, the album that you're currently working on is, is a way I'm assuming is going to be is it yeah. the first single? Yeah, it's the first single. And then I just announced the second single the other day as well. Mm, what I'm what I was wondering about when I when I when it, when Away came out and you know the the release that you've put out before that, which was Solid Matters Labyrinth and All Her Errors, mm-hmm. um a full acoustic album. Um I wondered where that switch in sound came from. So, I mean, you, you've put out stuff in the past. Um, you've always put a big focus on acoustic music. Yeah. Also on your Waves mixtape that you put out, where you've also worked on some instrumentals and stuff like that. But um, where does did this need to, to put out an acoustic album come from? So over around that year that I was recording... Um, most of what used to be the album that is currently existing right now, um, I realized that I had such a large departure from my acoustic side, which kind of made me sad because that's like the foundation of what T-Steel is built on. And I still listen to a lot of very acoustic ambient music. And I've just written so many good songs that just live on voice memos or in a notebook. And so I was like, okay, I don't think I necessarily have to be this super polished, mixed and mastered product of T-Steel. I can also give the other side of me that's just like, oh, I improvised this in my living room when I was in college, or I did this song for the Tiny Desk Contest, or I did all this other stuff. And it's just, I don't think I allow people to experience that side of my music because it it feels more intimate and I kind of want to hold it a little closer, especially because it is really Mm. tied to the early days. Um, And so 
putting that out was just kind of an homage to who I used to be and to who I am at my core rather than who I'm constantly projecting out in socials or on like more current bodies of music. Because I'm really proud of all the songs that were on there and they're really beautiful and just hold a really different vibe than all of the other stuff I've been putting out recently. So I just wanted to shine a light to the fact that that even exists, you know, because I don't necessarily, um, you know, go around and tell people that I even play guitar or do yeah. whatever. So I was like, you know, let me shine on that, you know? That's really interesting. So, so really keeping the acoustic music as a, as an intimate part of yourself. Almost. Did, did I get that? Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah. 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 Cause it's so stripped back, mm -hmm. you know, like, Yeah, yeah. With all of the other recorded music, like for example, we can even take it back to Be Easy, um, which the story on um, your court actually is kind of insane. But um, going back to like sitting down and doing multiple takes, comping those, deciding how saturated you want XYZ to be, that's such a process. And with mm. most of the music on Solid Matter is just me and the microphone and then yeah sure maybe a compressor and like an eq towards the end but it's not something that's curated it's just something that happened and was captured and i i adore it and i think i miss doing more acoustic shows and just showing up with my guitar because now it's really more so like a plug and play get hype you know do that whole thing when it really was just me sitting on a stool you know <laughs> This was T Steel's song, I Don't Wanna, and now back to the interview. Yeah, something that I thought was really, really um, interesting with, with that album as well is that um, you've recorded that album during COVID, mm -hmm. um, or most of it during COVID, but you released it two years later, so in 2022. And for me, this question of where artists are in, in a particular time And then, you know, going back to the future, like still releasing the music that they've, that they've recorded two or three years ago, they might have been in a completely different mind state back then, completely different feel. So releasing acoustic music as like an, an intimate thing for yourself is one thing, but also releasing music that you've recorded years ago, you're giving people a piece of yourself that, that is basically in the past. And I'm wondering what, how that was for you. It was scary, dude. It was scary because... Again, like I've created this image of myself that's like, oh, super chill, super stylistic, whatever. And 
I I have emotional music. A lot of it is tired, like tied very intricately to all of my emotions on any point in that scale. But when it came to Solid Matters Labyrinth, I I don't know. I think I was going through my library and just kind of processing the music that I've made and the feelings that I felt. And COVID was a really interesting time for me because I was in a really kind of, for lack of a better word, turbulent relationship. And then I was also in college and just had a lot of stuff going on and had a lot of stuff to say um, in a way that I felt I couldn't communicate through the likes of like the production on Be Easy. And so to release this really, really intimate, dated, it's, it's, it's felt something separate from me, to be honest. It was like, that was not, that isn't really me right now. And so it was, it was scary for me to listen to and to process. And it was really interesting to think about all of the growth that I've made without even necessarily realizing it. Um, but I put out a note on socials actually before the release came of like, Hey guys, this is going to be a lot different than you're used to. And, um, I want to share something that is, you know, raw and it doesn't, I think these days, considering the way that most artists release music, it's being perceived as though it was recorded in one week or one month when really a lot of it is kind of mixed up. And the way that I decided to make it a lot more apparent that this wasn't just a sat down intentional, I'm going to make this body of art and this is going to be what it is. I put all the dates that they were all recorded. It was from the voice memos or from the Pro Tools session and used those as, you know, the, the titles to kind of shine very subtle light on the fact that this isn't current. And I love that. I love that. I think that there's too much pressure on creatives in general to push out really fresh things when really the feeling should just be rooted in, does it feel good? Does it make sense? Do you want to talk about it? Is it still good? How do you feel? Do you want other people mm. to feel that? You know. And so while most of that stuff really was created with intentions just to exist on my phone or to send to a friend or to use as a demo... I decided that most of it was just too good to stay there, you know? And um, it was, I had to make the decision for sure because a lot of it is very, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to articulate it properly. I don't think, but it's, it was, it was very scary, but it was, it was amazing. It was cool to feel confident enough to share that side of me and something that was not as curated as everything else is. I think it's 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 I'm I'm curious because you so from from our conversation so far what I what I hear you um mention a lot is these these two people that you are that are T Steel the and and you also mentioning that on on socials for example you share this one side of yourself but maybe not so much this other side mm -hmm. do you understand why that is like why do you have these two sides to yourself and why is there one side that you don't really want to share with the rest of the world? Yeah, I don't know. I think as I continue to get older, I'm 23 now, which is still really young, but I've been doing this for so long at such like a ripe <laughs> adolescent age 
And um, hmm. I, I don't, I don't even think that it's something that's intentional that I'm trying to split myself, but I think it's something that I've done in the past and I'm right now focused on blending it all together. And because tr- why say you're authentic and then have, you know, two splits, you know? And I think when I'm pitching myself up to become someone of notoriety, someone that's like a public figure, it kind of worries me to have every piece of myself be under a microscope and in a spotlight. Mm. And so it's kind of like a preservation, keep some things for myself and for the people that actually know me type of thing. But I think that's an overcompensation. I don't think that's actually the truth. I think previously um, I might've been more insecure or, you know, more like, oh, okay, this is who they expect me to be. I need to be the funny, stylish, whoever else. I can't be the sad, acoustic, um, melancholy. They don't want that. They don't like that side of me, which isn't true. You know, I've always been received very well, not even just in terms of the music, but just personality wise and conversationally. Like, I think if I did put forth the two pieces together in one and handed it out, it would not be an issue at all. It wouldn't be an issue. So I think it's just me being in my head a bit. And then also in this digital age where you can share every piece of yourself at any time at all. Um, for me to mm. already be intimate in the music, I feel like, why is there any need, you know, to be as vulnerable as I can be? You know, I'm always going to shine light on the really intimate things for sure. But to do that at 100% all the time sounds kind of like, emotionally exhausting for me. I think I would kind of be caught on, ooh, okay, who's going to be seeing that? Are they going to change their perception of me based on that? So I think it's more of an internal thing than anything else. Mm. But as time goes by, I'm finding that it's not really an issue for me anymore. And I, I'm leaning more into all of the pieces of me, which I've, I've done, I feel, on this album. There's a lot of different genres on here. And I think at first I was worried about it not being like cohesive, you know, to have all these different parts of me, Mm. but you know, it's an influence, you know, like I want people to be able to hear where the sound of T-Steel came from. It's, it's very plain to see. I just have to, you know, give it to people and allow them to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the recording process of the new album, I'd love to, to get into, into that a little bit, but maybe before, you know, I, I know that your, your be easy EP, I know for you, it, it, it was, it felt like a bit of a rush process to record it. How did you rush the release of the be easy EP? Like in, in hindsight, that's a really good question. So I had just gotten to college and earlier, um, in our conversation, I had talked about your court and how interesting all of that was. So the very quick story behind that is I had met a couple people at a networking event at my college and, um, it was a guy named Jay Grubbs and he was like, come over to my house. I run this collective. We're just going to talk about music and stuff. See if you're interested. I go over there, we're having Oreos and whatever. We're talking about music, showing each other stuff. And I realize I don't have anything printed to show. And I'm like, I can sing this song that I've been working on for you guys. I can play the beat off of my phone and see what happens. And I start singing your court and playing it. And he stops me in the middle of my performance. He's like, no, stop, 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 stop. You got to get in the booth right now. 
And so I shit you not, I get up from the couch. Everybody's still in the house with me. They're like, oh heck yeah, like we're about to go crazy. I've never recorded like a real song before. And they're all just typing me up and walking me through the process. And then it turns out absolutely beautiful. He's like, I'm going to mix it and master it for you for free. This is gold. Okay. Put this out, put this out. And so I threw it on SoundCloud and now it's, I think at like 7,000 or something like that. But I, which track was that? your court? It was the first single, um, that I didn't even know was the single because at that time I wasn't really focused on making an EP at all. I just really liked the song and Mm. I had the beats and was going through a weird time getting comfortable in university. So I, it felt rushed in the way that like, I literally was in somebody's house, not even trying to do that. And then all of a sudden this beautiful piece of art is formed and I'm like, Oh shit. Oh, I, I actually can make this happen. I just need to know the people and get the stuff. So then I order the equipment. My uncle helps me pay for it. And I start recording at home in my kitchen and, um, I'm trying to set release dates. And this is the first time I've dealt with anything like on a serious scale like this, because it's usually just the acoustic, go to a show, have these in a notebook thing. And so now I'm fully going to classes full time, spending time with friends, doing whatever. And like, I started skipping hangouts to like record and they'd be like, where's T? Where's T? Dude, I'm at the house recording. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Okay. Like (laughs) I have to get this done. And I was shipping all of the deliverables to my friend, Kyle Kinnaman, um, going by the creative name Keywave, um, to him in Illinois. So he could mix some of it for me. And so it was rushed in the way that I never expected the, reception of it. People loved your court. That was a side that I have never really like given to people again, because they're used to the acoustic stuff. And they're like, Oh, okay. She goes hard. And so now I'm like, Oh, I should do something with that. And I talked to my friends. They're like, you should make an EP. So I start shopping for beats, get those, start writing, start recording. And the songs didn't take that long at all. You know, I feel like I get into a really good flow when I'm rec- like even writing or just recording period. It's a whole separate thing. I feel like I leave my body, but releasing it, I gave myself like, I think two weeks. I was like, okay, here we go. Like it, this is it. It's going to go out. I recorded a, um, we shot actually a music video for your court that didn't end up coming out because we didn't have like enough footage or whatever. So I was like kind of putting on a costume for a second to see how it fit and rushing it a bit because I wanted to keep the momentum. And it, and it worked because, I mean, Be Easy is absolutely beloved. But um, yeah, it, it definitely was... I, I, I wouldn't say that I wish I took more time on it, to be honest. I think it happened the way that it should have. Um, but going forward, I definitely did want to be more intentional and allow myself to process all of that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I was just going to ask is if if it's if if it's bad to rush that process because from what you from what you just told me it sounded like like you said it was meant to be like yeah. that and that actually everything worked out and the project came out super super dope so Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean I think it's all about how you feel about it because in that moment I was really excited just to be making the music and I mm. think you can feel that in the recordings. So it's like yeah, the timeline was a little crunched um, for like a traditional release. But again, like I had no type of 
basis or guideline for how long people usually take on these things. And so I was just excited to get it done. And um, I mean, the approach that I took following Be Easy and taking a lot more time wasn't even necessarily just like, okay, I brushed that way too much. Let me slow down going forward. It was just, I naturally realized that I needed to live more life in order to have shit to talk about that was interesting to listen to. Because I feel like most of the artists that are like really popular just talk about the same things over and over again. And that's a really big pet peeve of mine. And since I was even like in the early days and I didn't really have anybody watching me, I was like, okay, I can take my time. No one's going to punish me for that. I can just hang out with my friends, Mm -hmm. fall in love, fall out of love and do whatever. So I can come back to the table and not even question what I'm writing with my pen, you know? So I don't know. I think years later, I just want to make sure that I'm giving myself the space, whether that means that I make space and time to record nonstop, or whether that means that I give myself time and space to live through more experiences, see more things, meet more people who can even produce on the projects, you know? And then just move Mm. forward from there. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think it's bad to move fast at all, especially in the digital age where everything is very much boom, 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 bow, bow, bow. I don't like that. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. I want (laughs) to slow down. I want to be outside, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. And that's probably the the approach you're taking with with your new album that that you're you're putting out soon. Can you talk to me a little bit about, about that process? Like, you have years of experience now and you've put releases out. This is not your first anymore, yeah. you know? So so what are you approaching differently now? Everything, dude, everything. It's kind of <laughs> like a reframe, especially since in the past couple of years, I'm not even in just the small bubble of Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. I'm now in this massive hub for creatives, LA. I'm like, okay, there's a million people here. There's a million different dreams. And when I moved out here, I was already working on the project. It's morphed into so many different things over time. But um, I think in this process, I just really honed in on, okay, what do I want to make? You know, I don't really want to care about the rollout yet. I don't want to think about who needs to hear it. I just wanted to, again, lean into the whole live more life, meet more people, do more shit so you can be more, you know, impeccable with your word on the whole authenticity thing, you know? So with the album, it was like, okay, I'm going to allow myself to kind of morph as I need to. Um, Because I feel like if I'm thinking about it, really, there's been probably three different versions of the album about now. I've scrapped it, started over again, scrapped it, started over again. And, um, why? I don't know. What, what just, don't you like about first versions? It's not even that I don't like it. I think it's just that I'm, I'm growing at such a rapid rate and really stacking on my mm. expertise that when I listen back to it, yeah. it's not bad music at all. And I'm probably still going to put it out like I did with solid matter, but I just, I know that I can do better than that. I know that I can go harder and I can, do more complicated things like mess around with different time signatures and all that other stuff. And so, yeah. Can you, can you give an example of that? Because I think that's super interesting and I'm not even sure it might be difficult to put it into words, but what do you mean by better? Like what's, what's something that you've made better in a song? Yeah. So 
For example, um, I feel like if we compare Be Easy's production and structure to the likes of an unreleased song that I have, it's so Be Easy is very bouncy, very lovely, very lo-fi. And there's even that beat, that beat switch after that second half, which is mm-hmm. awesome and, and different and reversed. And that's great and complex in its own way. But I have a song called um, Junction, which um, I've performed at some places. So you might've heard it, but um, it's also pretty bouncy, pretty hype, whatever. And then it also has a beat switch. But the difference is that there's more instrumentation. The mix is more um, widespread. It's it's in a lot of different things. And I think also just in my performance and in my confidence, I think now that I do have the expertise, I and I've spent so many hours recording and comping. And since I'm the engineer, like I'm also getting crazy with my um with my mm. expertise on that side as well. So just the mixes from the first or second version of the album or the performance from the first or second version and the vocal processing and just all of these things continue to get better and better and better. And again, like you're saying, better is a very subjective term when it comes to music, but I'm just, it, it's coming across a lot more mature and a lot more thought out and closer to the shit that I admire and listen to daily rather than Mm. something that I'm just making in my bedroom. You know, it feels kind of closer to industry standard, even though that's not necessarily what I'm gearing towards. But could this be a never ending process and kind of a risk that you never stop? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And how do you know that you finally reached the, the, you know, the quality that you want to have? I think it's just a gut feeling, dude. I think it's just a gut feeling. Mm. I think back then, like with the first or second version, I I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I loved the I loved the songs. Mm. I loved performing them and I loved sharing them. But it didn't feel like okay. I'm ready to give this to the world. I'm ready to promote this. I'm ready to talk in interviews about it. I'm ready to stand on this 10, 12, 14 toes. But with this, it just I I wish I had better words to explain it, Miles. It's just something deeply rooted. And I think since I have spent so much time making so many different versions and so many different songs that were supposed to be on here, um, it's just the feedback that I get, not only from like actual people that I send it to who are either an engineer or producer, whoever, but then also getting crowd reactions during performances and everything. It's, it's so many different things. It's so many different things that I could talk about forever, Mm. absolutely. But I think at the core of it is definitely that gut feeling that's like, okay, I think think we're done here, actually. I don't really see a way that I could make this any more amazing and grounded than it already is. And I'm sure it could, you know, with another track or a different mix, but... Inherently, you know, like, for example, like there's a bunch of Michael Jackson songs where they had like a hundred mixes or something. And then he ended up with the first one. It's like, it's, I could do this forever, but I, but I know, especially since I keep sharing the music and everything and people are like, dude, when is that song coming? I love that song. Now it's just (laughs) like, okay, it's out there. You know, people want it and I want people to want it. And I think that's something I haven't experienced before is that 
dual sharing of, oh, I'm fucking hype. Let's go. I, I loved my music. I loved everything else I've done prior to now and still do. But it's just, there's this energy inside me that's like, I'm ready now. This is it. This is who I am. I'm T. Steel. These are my songs. Fuck with me or don't. We're going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> This was T Steel's song "Be Easy," and now back to the interview. That's awesome. No, that's perfect. And the, you know, and the, you, we we just talked about the recording process. And you know, once the music is done, it's done. And then you know, the next stage as a as an artist, as an independent artist, who you know, you mentioned it yourself. You do everything yourself. You know, you you write, you mix, you produce, you you everything basically. And and. Um, then there's the whole question about the rollout. So a yeah. rollout is not necessarily easy because every Friday, actually, yeah, every Friday there's, there's you know, there's releases coming out and there's, there's millions of artists and yeah. millions of songs. And um, how do you stand out? Like, what's your, what's your strategy? Do you have know. a strategy? I don't know, use? dude. That's something that I'm kind of battling with currently. It's like everything is so saturated right now and there's so much noise hmm. and, a lot of it is kind of cookie cutter of the whole like, okay, get on TikTok, have a TikTok presence and get on there and show your music and yeah. be like, I just made the song of the summer. I don't want to do that. That's not me. And so recently I've been sitting on that and being like, okay, if I don't want to go the traditional route, which is unfortunately now the traditional route of, you know, doing it on the internet, because really I want to just be out in the streets. I want to meet the people personally, have the conversations, do the gigs. That's what I want to do. I'm leaning more towards old school, which right now at my mm. current caliber isn't necessarily going to be easy to do, you know, because you really do need to be on the internet now. Um, so in terms of rollout, I think I'm just going to have to think outside of the box and get really creative with it. Like, for example, like Fly on a Boss, the way that they did the running videos and stuff with their music, that was outside mm -hmm. of the box, but it was still on TikTok. Um And then they kind of created that brand for themselves and got to do something fun that was, you know, moving and dynamic. And so um, I think I'm probably 
going to do a bunch of different things as well as put out music videos. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be super awesome. Perfect. It's something different than I've ever done. I'm, I'm not used to doing like full productions of music videos and teeing those up. Um, but it was so much fun and I got to include my friends in it. So it's going to be super dope. Can't wait for everybody to see it. So I think, yeah, like music videos and then just interviews and kind of pushing forward the the image that I currently am right now and everything mm. that the project is and trying to find a way to make it nice to latch on to, interesting to tune into, fun for the viewer and for me. And I don't know exactly on point what that is right now, but we're getting closer and closer. Awesome. And my, as I mentioned to you when we were talking before the interview or when we were emailing, um, I, I mentioned the part of the interview where I love to ask independent artists about other underrated independent mm -hmm. artists that they might know of. And I'd be super curious to, curious to hear um, who your unsigned hypes are, who are artists that yeah. people should look out for more. So I've got two people. And um, right now I'm really, really into this artist named DJ Susie. She... I can't remember exactly where she's from. We had a conversation in Instagram DMs when I found her music through, I think it was a Billy Lamos um, Spotify playlist, like his slept on playlist for the month. And she has something that's like kind of drum and bass, but also has the spiritual, sultry quality vocally of like a Krong bin. And it's just, she has so much, it's so complex. And I really, really adore it. I would recommend anybody go and listen to Word Vomit right now by DJ Susie. Really, really good. Um, and she's also not from America. And um, it's really just interesting to watch her work. And so I've, I've kept in contact with her. She's super dope. And then my second person is Kai Infinite. Um, I met him out here in LA. And um, he... I think he is signed, but he is really low-key and um, so multifaceted and so talented and so smart. And we had um, a friend of mine, Benson Price-Jones, who is another person, honestly, I would give more um, unsigned hype to. We were at his studio and um, we were just fucking around making silly music and warming up. And we start showing each other our unreleased music and Kai just absolutely blows me out of the water, dude. Like track after track, it's a completely different vibe. It, it kind of felt like looking into a mirror low key because when I meet a lot of artists out here, they're very much on one like genre. Typically it's like, okay, she's the R&B girl or they're the rock person or whatever. Maybe that's just how they project themselves to be. And there are a million different pieces underneath. But with Kai, he's very, very forward on the fact that he's capable of doing all of it. He's done the sync licensing placement pop songs. He's done the hard rap songs. He's done a song with Pusha T. Like he, he's everywhere and um, so mm -hmm. humble about it. And just, just a really, really good person underneath the amazing spotless music. So yeah, I would, I would definitely stand by DJ Susie, Kai Infinite. Um, and a colleague of mine, El Vicious, um, we're in a rap group together called Toxic Boys. And um, yeah, I, I could go on and on about all the people that I absolutely adore, but <laughs> awesome. But yeah, awesome. Kai Infinite, DJ Suzy. I mean, I, I believe D, uh, 
Kai is going to put out a project in the upcoming year as well because he was dropping some singles last year. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I hear you talk and I, I've, I've followed your career over the last months and, and then, you know, went on a little deep dive into, you know, your first releases and, and, um, there's something that you said on, on tiny T's tiny table. Um, actually, <laughs> no way you found that. Um, no way. <laughs> four, four years ago. Um, that that really you know I, I thought was really cool because you were you were talking about you know not knowing and not knowing you know you were mentioning I think you were talking about Frank Ocean or mm-hmm. Camp Flocknall or something and you were saying I don't I don't have a career I don't know I don't I, I wish I knew what was coming for me in the next years but you know now we're Ooh. sitting here and and I I I'd be interested in hearing from you what 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 do you wish today you would have known. Um, back then about the music industry and becoming a part of this industry? Honestly, I feel like, dude, you don't have to be anything. You don't have to be packaged as one specific. You don't have to cater to any audience. You know, I would sit down and be like, Tiana, you like music, right? And she'd be like, hell yeah, I do. And I'd be like, okay, that's all that matters, dude. Like, just make the stuff. Go, you know, you don't have to necessarily broadcast yourself in any particular way. You just have to show up and you just have to enjoy showing up. And if you don't enjoy showing up, how can you tweak it to make sure that you do, you know? And um, I honestly, there's not a whole lot that I would change, really. I think I needed to go through all of those processes and find myself and figure out what pacing worked good for me and who I needed to work with and whatever. But I think if anything, I would give myself the space to be like, dude, you can do what it is that you want to set out to do. You don't have to think about how small your hometown is. You don't have to consider who's out right now and who's popping right now. Just shush all of that down and get outside. That's all I would say. Because I don't think I've ever met any animosity with my music. I don't, I've never. So there's really no reason that I should have taken so long on it. But I'm glad that I did because it's it shaped all of this in a very intricate way that is very hard to articulate. But yeah, I would I would just give myself the confidence to be able to move, you know? Yeah. Is that I mean I it, it sounded also like advice that you you would give others. Absolutely. who might be sitting somewhere right now and thinking about starting a career in music. Yeah, yeah. I. That's the biggest one, really, out of everything else. Mm. That's That has to be the big one because you can have the best producer and the best engineer and the best team, but if your heart's not in that shit, you're not going to want to do it. It's not going to be sustainable. And um, mm. I think right now we live in an age of like clout and short-term trends that a lot of people try to ride. And my advice would be stay authentic. Okay, if you don't like being on social media, then pick a social media that you somewhat enjoy, which for me is Instagram, and then cater to that and find other ways outside of socials to get people there in a way that you don't feel like you're stretching yourself or distorting yourself. Um, Mm. Because I feel like it's a big comparison game right now, understandably, because there's a lot of people and a lot of music and a lot of opinions. 
And um, I think anyone who has been making music but hasn't shared it or hasn't written a single song but wants to, just do it. Just see how it feels when you do it. Just put it out there, you know, in terms of like a spiritual thing. Like you have to do the action and put that energy out there in order for anything to follow it. You know, you can't, you can't just live off of hypotheticals. You've got to at least give it a shot. And usually most times you hit the jackpot and you realize that it is something that you want to do. And then you can pinpoint where you want to dedicate to it. But yeah, you just got to do it. That's all. You just got to show up and keep going after you do show up. Don't get discouraged. You're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to feel a lot of oh, but they're bigger than me. They're more experienced. Shh, be quiet. Go record on your iPad or whatever and then put it out, you know, or don't put it out. Just make music. Inherently do what you want to do and be authentic to yourself as long as you're having fun. That is my advice to any and everybody. Where do you want to take this? Everywhere, dude. Everywhere. I want to take it... Across the globe, into classrooms, which I already have the privilege of doing because over the summers, I am a music educator for a hip-hop camp in Illinois. And um, anywhere that it can go, really. <laughs> I want to I wanna tour. I want to do like a silly sideshow on like Vice or something like Tyler the Creator has. I want to explore everything that I possibly can. I want to make clothes. I just want to be... 120% myself and take it wherever it wants to take me, to be honest. That's that's all. I'm at the mercy of everything else, to be real. T, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Me too, dude. This was so awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited. This was Unsigned Hype episode 18 with T Steel. The track you're hearing right now is called Act Right, and you will find the song in the Unsigned Hype podcast playlist, along with all other songs discussed in this episode. Make sure to support T Steel by checking out her music and following her on social media. And for your weekly Unsigned Hype, make sure to also follow us on Spotify and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes below.
You, but only when you 